Hey there, I'm David Kern. I'm Heidi White. And I'm Tim McIntosh. And you were listening to Close Reads, a podcast for the incurable reader on which we are discussing our favorite books of 2022, our favorite reads of 2022. We each define that differently. We have a different approaches in our list making. But nonetheless, we are here to discuss the books that we most enjoyed reading this year. And uh, this is one of the episodes that our audience most enjoys listening to. Uh, we hear that. I hear that all the time. The numbers show it. So we're excited to be here. Tim, Heidi, how's it going? David, so good. Me too. I am also <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, it's Christmas time. It's cold outside. I think pretty much all across the United States of America, it's cold outside. And uh, we're here to talk about books. Talk about you know, what's what's better than getting together at the end of the year with your closest friends and talking about the books that you love the most. Nothing, and, nothing and, and the, is better. The, the amazing thing is it gets to be like, it's comprehensive, right? We get to um, really dig into a lot of different kinds of books and we get to identify how our tastes are different and how we each approach list making and our experiences on this show and all that kind of stuff. Now, right now it's the three of us, but we have our fourth member of the triumvirate. <laughs> uh, Who joining. just joined us. <laughs> Sean Johnson is here. Quadrumvirate? I think they call it a quartet. Quadrumvirate? Oh, quartet, of course. <laughs> Sean, what's going on? Yeah. I saw the quadrivium. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I get to be astronomy. The quadrivium. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the, yeah. Who are we each in this, in this scenario here? Sean, how are you? Oh, I'm swell. How are you? Great. And we are so excited to have you here. It was, it was great, you know, having you as a part of the show this year. And there's a couple of different things we're going to do here. Just kind of give people a lay of the land. We are going to give you our top five reads of 2022. When we get to that part, we will each kind of explain how we approach that list making. We also are going to talk a little bit about some honorable mentions, books that didn't make our lists. I think some of us uh, have have some books that we still highly recommend that didn't make our lists. Before that, though, we need to talk about 2022 on Close Reads. We read a variety of books, a variety of different kinds of books, certainly, from longer books like East of Eden over on that show to short books like A Month in the Country. And so what I want to start with is, Sean, what was your year in reading like this year? How would you describe it? <laughs> you can't describe it. Can't. How would you describe She's it? Speechless. You can't be speechless when you're a podcaster. No, that's your right. one job. <laughs> the... uh it's funny because I was uh, talking with my wife about that earlier this week. We moved in the middle of the year and everything before the move was really kind of a blank spot in my memory. <laughs> uh, but we each, we have this uh, sort of informal reading competition. Uh, you and your wife? My, my wife you and, and your I, children? My wife and I, where we, uh, we keep a tally of, Books we've read and we give each other little prizes for most books read, most pages read. Hotes adorbs. I and, love this. <laughs> but so, you know, I have a good habit of keeping records of the books that I've read. But even when I went and looked at all of the books that I had read before, say June, it was like a list that someone else had made or a list mm. from another life. So it was from 2021. Yeah, that's right. Fragmented, maybe, is how I would describe my reading uh, this year. But there were still plenty of plenty of good things. I revisited 
I mean, it was kind of the year of rereading for me. Okay. I revisited a lot of books I had read previously. Uh, my ratio of rereads to new reads was much higher than usual. Hmm. What's a standout reread for you this year? Like what upon a second reading, it was the one that really was just most, um, most impressive to you or, or just, it was just, you know, stood out to you or moved you or whatever. However you want to put it, however you want to think about it. I reread Piers Plowman. Oh, uh, do you know this book? Piers Plowman? I have not read it. It's, uh, yeah. it has been described by some as the English divine comedy. Uh, and it's stellar. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't quite rise to the level of Dante, but it's, uh, it's this great work of pious, uh, pre-reformation, reformational like 1300 writing. Or something, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So this guy, I mean, he's doing, he sounds a lot like Dante in that he's very critical of, you know, ecclesial wow. trends in his country. Uh, and it, ends in uh this uh bizarre sort of apocalyptic uh vision of the harrowing of hell and uh and all the while one of the main characters is just this faithful pious yeoman fellow uh who kind of captures the spirit of is he is he uh, a plowman jolly old england yeah that's right do you work on a pier no. Can you work on a pier and Come on, be a that was funny. at the same time? <laughs> Come on, that was funny. I would like to, I would, I'm curious to know how that Welcome would work. Welcome to the, dad jokes. The intersection of a pier and a plow. Maybe it's seasonal labor. Half the year he's on the pier oh, yeah, and half go. the year he's on yeah, the yeah. plow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, cons- so it would just Milton be ver- the, the, the Dante of English? You would think I mean, so, but no. I didn't want to say it. Yeah. Okay. He read yeah. Pierce Plowman, so. True, yeah. true, true. I didn't, call I, him, about you? I didn't call him the Dante of England. I said this like the Divine Comedy of England. I got it. I see. I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. Heidi, what about you? How would you kind of summarize your year in reading? Um, I, My year in reading, this was the year of the audiobook for me. I have hmm. two teenagers with big lives and neither of them drive. And so I just spent so, so, so much time in the car this year. And so I listened to more books than I read, which that's the first time in my whole life that's ever been true. Uh, and I've Second never been a maybe. big, yeah. I bet before um, you were literate. Well, that's a really good point. Uh, there yeah. were many years actually. <laughs> well, years, but yeah. Um, yeah. 13, 14, 18, point. something. You got me there. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, a, I spent so much time just like listening to books and I, I loved that. Like I, mm. I want to get back to, I want to get back to reading more than I listen to. I prefer to read, but it was, you know, I'm grateful for it. I'm just very, very grateful. Mm. My year in reading would have been much sparser if we didn't have audiobooks. So there's, there's a good use of technology there. And what about you? I don't know that I can give a theme to my 2022 reading aside from. I read a lot of Shakespeare because of the plays, the thing. Other than that, I can't think of a, of a theme. I read less. I read fewer books this year than probably I have in the last 10 years because I was reading so much Shakespeare. If that sounds like a complaint, it's not, it's just reality. Do you not count reading Shakespeare as reading books though? Not really. So you wouldn't, if someone said, what are your favorite reads of the year? You wouldn't be like, well, love's labor's lost or much ado about nothing. No. Well, 
you know, you guys know me. I'm on this kind of like obsession that people should see Shakespeare like more than they should read him. So when I say read Shakespeare, I'm oftentimes following along in an annotated copy as I'm watching a play or a mm. movie rendition of the play. So it's hard to say, yeah, Love's Labor's Loss was one of my favorite curl-ups this, this year. Because <laughs> that's not really what happened. Well, I'll just jump up here, jump in here and say that for me, since opening the bookstore, I, I read hundreds of books that I don't finish in a year just to be conversant on them. And then when something catches my attention, I'll finish it. And then of course, there's the books that I, I have to read for the, for the podcast, get to read for the get podcast. Uh, but there's hundreds of books that, that I read that I get a taste of, which in a way kind of like shows me is helping me refine what I like. And also giving me a sense of what's going on in the world of literature. So I'm, I'm very excited to talk about, to talk about these books with you all. Okay. Let's talk about the show though. For, for Sean, for you, what, what were like the one or two books that stood out the most that you participated in on the show? Now you were only on a couple series and one of them what took half the year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was Eden. that so I'm one. curious, like what East of Eden? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a, a long, project. So, but I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I really love East of Eden. It's one of my favorite books. And so getting to stretch it out, but also be continually thinking about it over that long period of time, uh, was really enjoyable. Uh, I've, I don't think I have really ever done that with a book that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often it's the opposite, you know, like, a. You're like plowing through it. Yeah, you're plowing through it. Or like, uh, a, like a, like a Piers Plowman. Like exactly like Piers Plowman. Just putting my head down and doing yeoman's work and, and then hitting that pier and sailing off to the next thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that, <laughs> uh, for sure, I, that would, that would be the standout. Sam, what about for you? You want to know what the standout book yeah, was? Was there a book, was there a book that you did on the podcast, like from Close Reads this year that most, that most stood out? It's probably Asher Lev. Which were, which we just finished. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that book was there. I just can't get enough of it. Was there one that you had never read before that, that really stood out? Oh man. David, read, I need the list in front of well, me. Well, you'd read Loris. <laughs> yep. Um, you had read a month in the country, right? Oh, I had not read a month in the country. That would probably be my choice. Okay. okay. I loved a month in the country. Yeah. I was going to shout out a month in the country too. That I, I'd read that before, but I liked reading that with you guys. Yeah. Um, and I thought East- Tim was going to pick death on the Nile because he guessed the murderer without having read <laughs> the book. I was so impressed. I was impressed by that too. He but was. that was more so of a, listeners. That was kind of more of an awakening moment for me that I have a future in law enforcement. Right. So it was less mm, about yeah. like a reading experience. It was more about my kind of discovering my deeply hidden sleuth like abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling sleuthy. You know, eventually you're going to have read all those Shakespeare plays and you're going to have to be like, you know, what's next? And you could do, you could either like keep in the podcast world, you could do a true crime, crime, true crime podcast, or you could just go solve true crimes. Or I guess you could perpetrate true crimes and your knowledge, uh, your your anticipation of, of, perpetrate true crimes. Yeah. You gotta write a play about a podcaster who reads mystery novels and then discovers that he has this knack for solving mysteries and then isn't this just essentially only only murders in the building yeah that would be kind of interesting (laughs) wouldn't it i like that 
I would go see that. Yeah. You could call it even murders outside the building and then, you know, the sky's the limit. <laughs> wow. Murder. Yeah. Just call Love it murder. It. Murder anyway. Murder. <laughs> like, um, Heidi, what about you? Um, a month in the country is mine for sure. I mean, mm. oh, okay, but only because Asher Lev is spoken um, for. Well, no, cause it's, I don't know why a month in the country is what I have. Probably because Asher Love is on my list. So, ah, there's a. So, preview. okay. So, you know what's interesting is that both of those books are about painters. I know. Oh, which is interesting. Well, and, and I've I think been texting all- Bethany like 48 hours straight about art and beauty and all of her questions. My wife. Yes. Yeah. About, about all of these painting and art issues that are brought up by these. By this book, by Asher Lev, and all the, these interesting questions that we have. Yeah, she's been working on um, this art project, which is now we've kind of announced it. She's been working on this. It's going to be an art curriculum, seven volumes, and each volume is going to be taking kids through through the art, art through the ages based on a principle of art. So the first, uh, the first one is online. So she's been reading just hundreds. She's probably read more than I have this year. She's read hundreds and hundreds of pa- thousands of pages. On, on the greatest art, artworks and artists ever to live. So I would love to, I actually should find out what her list would be and I should post that somewhere. I should tell mm-hmm. her to post that because she's going to be launching a Substack newsletter for the art thing coming up soon. Just for dropping that out there. You can also, you can follow her at goldberry underscore arts on Instagram if you want to. Um, okay. So we've talked about the year in reading generally and we've talked about the, uh, the book on the show. Let's talk about some honorable mentions on each of our lists. So we each made a top five. Tim, do you have any honorable mentions that you want to you wanna mention, or are you just kind of going to stick with your top five? I'm going to stick with my top five. You're going to hold it close to the vest. Be strict with the rules. Yes. Classic Tim right there. Classic. Sticking to the rules. Um, Sean, Rule what about follower. you? Any honorable mentions that you want to you mention? Uh, honorably? Honorably or otherwise. I, I was going to give, I, I will give honorable mention to a book that I put on my list and then took off my list because I think it's uneven. But I read George Saunders' uh, new collection of short stories, Liberation Day, mm-hmm. yeah. some of which I really enjoyed, and then some of which I thought were a little, a little flat or a little. We got to talk about goofy. this. I kind of felt the same way. Yeah. Did you read it, Heidi? I haven't read it yet. I have it in my list. It's my worth TBR. reading. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I'm crazy yeah. about George Saunders. Oh, yeah. I love him. Tim, you haven't read that, right? No, okay. he's not. And okay. I, I answer that question for him because I have recommended Heidi. George Saunders to him like a thousand times. I'm like, you would love him. Heidi. Because but Sean would get there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like, I was just adjusting Lincoln and the Bardo on my newly installed bookshelf. And I thought of you. Just a waste of an inch as and a half on your bookshelf. I th- oh, my gosh. I thought oh of gosh. you as I kept it on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but Tim, you should read uh, Assuming of the Pond of the Lake. It could yeah. not be more up your alley. It's Russians, and then he's commenting on the Russian stories. I, like, I no, absolutely he hears you. listen to the he audio. Hears what are you, you. doing tonight? He hears, you. <laughs> he hears me, but he's ignoring me. <laughs> How do um, you feel, David? It hurts, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got siblings. Um, okay, so anything else you want to mention, Sean? Yeah, I, I thought too about, uh, so I'm a, I'm a, classical school teacher and high school literature is one of the things I spend a lot of time teaching. And so there are a lot of books that I reread every year. Right. Uh, and I don't always 
think about them as part of my <laughs> reading life, or I don't always yeah. think about including them in my list of things I read this year, even though it's absolutely what I'm doing. Uh, but the first half of the year, I was finishing up a, a Shakespeare elective that I taught. And so I got to revisit uh, some favorites and I read Coriolanus for the first time in a couple of years. And, mm. uh, uh, that deserves all the honorable mention that you can give it. I think it's one of the most underrated Shakespeare's and I, I love getting to revisit it. Tim, would you, would uh, you Coriolanus. like to comment on this, on this take by Sean that Coriolanus is one of the most underrated of Shakespeare plays? Just yesterday, I recorded act one of a new Shakespeare podcast and I said, for me, the three most underrated Shakespeare plays are number one, Coriolanus. Like, mm. Electric. It's almost away, like we planned right? this. Electric. Man. Yep. It's Volumnia. She's such an underrated. She, she is. So great. Yeah. She is so yeah, great. She's a magnificent character. Guys, guess what? I've never read Coriolanus. Come on, Dave. You would like it. Shocking. I'll read it this year. I'll read it's, it this year. It's like Maybe the, I'll read it before the end of this year. And I, I now I'm nervous about saying more things about Coriolanus because clearly Tim's thought about it a lot. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> So this, this last month, I just finished teaching, uh, through Hamlet. Uh, and then I led a faculty development book discussion, uh, of Hamlet with our, our teachers at the school. And, uh, Coriolanus is kind of like Hamlet in negative. All of the ups in Hamlet are the lows in Coriolanus and all the lows in, in Coriolanus are the, uh, the highs in Hamlet and the strong personalities in one play are the pushovers in another play. It's so T.S. Eliot would actually like Coriolanus. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. Sean, for whatever it's worth, I don't know if you know Sarah Jane Bentley, but she's a friend of ours, teaches at Eaton. Teaches at Eaton. And yes. she yes, is I, uh, like I got to have Coriolanus. A, I got to have a little lunch with her at a, at a conference one time, I think. Oh good. Yeah. She agrees with you. Coriolanus with, is with us. I, with us, but yes. I wanted to give you credit Those because who know. You, you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Heidi, honorable mentions for you. Anything um, you just books you like that you want to mention? mention is so you know every year I pick an author to read through their entire canon, and this year I did C.S. Lewis, who's my favorite author ever, and um, so I just listened to um the space trilogy again, and like I think every single time I turned it on, I ended up with like some tears in my eyes. Like it's so good. It's so, so magnificent. It's so timely. It is his entire project in three novels. It's wonderful. So my honorable mention is what we're, we're about to tackle this over on the bonus uh, on the, for the Substack uh, subscribers for close reads. And so you will hear me waxing eloquent about the space trilogy for the next several months. Um, but that's definitely my honorable mention. I can't put, I can't give them three slots on my <laughs> top five, but oh, I can okay. throw them on okay. the honorable okay. mention. This is a good time to, for me to ask this then. What is the approach that you each took? Okay. I will, for example, explain what I mean by this. Uh, my list is only books that came out in 2022. That's partly because I know, like, because of my job, I read because of owning the bookstore. I read more books that came out in 2022 than yeah, you yeah. all do. So I figured I'll hold that banner for this episode of yeah. the podcast. I also am going to be mentioning a couple things that were not 2022 that blew my mind 
So I'm going to do that as kind of part of the honorable mentions. But like, how do you, how do you do this? Is it, is it, you didn't, you included, it sounds like a book from the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I do it with just the books that I, it's kind of an existential process for me. It's more like, (laughs) um, like what are the books that I'm like, Oh, that was the year I read blank. Like that was so impactful. I either loved it or, um, or it, for me this year, there are several books that, um, that tied together almost like thematically and like nourished streams of thought for me that were new or I wanted to go deeper in. Um, so I, I do it like most impactful on me is in my soul. <laughs> Not even Sean. just favorites, but like that, like, yeah. yeah. Tim, what about you? I selected mine largely according to the explosive power it would have on this show. <laughs> Perfect. That is called, that's like editorial list making right there, right? Red Mind <laughs> Comp, loved it. Yes. Yeah. Well, before you got on the air, that Sean. That was amazing. What you just he made said. A, he made a Mind Comp joke. Yeah, I think it was before we started recording though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Sean, because what about you? Tim said he has two books on his list that are going to get him kicked off the show. Oh, right. man. I yeah. wasn't yeah. even that here to good. hear David make yeah. that joke. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It's right up there with, um, Stalin, <laughs> Stalin's why I don't favor the Ukrainians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a big one for you this year. <laughs> yeah. It was a huge one for me this tough. year. I, tough, tough for you to read that. Like, also, I tough feel to like make you're that so joke, bold but it's fine right now because you're saying this really deadpan <laughs> and. You, you're running a risk. Yeah. Our faces and our, our, I, I hope are giving away. You anybody know, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Anybody fine. who thinks that I am actually plumping for style, for a book it. that Stalin didn't write about his you know, hatred of Ukraine theater is like, I think they're, I didn't they're, even know I, Stalin wrote books. You know, no, guys, you know what it really is. Didn't. You know what it really is, is Tim this year, he came around on Ayn Rand. So like Atlas oh Shrugged is, is a big one for him. David. So Atlas Killing Shrugged with a blunt and, and Anthem are like three and four oh on his my list. God. Anthem, yeah. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the Fountainhead. So he's got three out of his five. Where, like, oh he had a big reawakening with Ayn wow. Rand this Powerful. year. Yeah. Sean, how did you make your list? <laughs> uh, I I tried to give preference to books that came out this year. Uh, so I tried to read. I try to always include some newer books in my mm-hmm. annual reading, uh, yeah. but I am, I guess, a, a classicist by trade. And so I am in the business of reading old books too. Yeah. Uh, right. So, but knowing that I did try and give some preference to books that I read that came out this year. And there were, uh, I gave, I left one off of my list that I actually really enjoyed and maybe it deserved an honorable mention, but I figured it might show Shout up it. on what your is list. What is it? Well, no, okay, don't say it. Then. Don't say <laughs> yeah, it. Don't okay. say it. I know what it's going right. to be. I know yeah. what it's going to be. But but I also think I also think that on my list. one of the that the 2022 book I put onto my top five list well might also be on your list. We'll see. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Can't, okay, I can't wait for this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, old lady just walked into the studio here. Um. So if you hear a small child talking, she just crammed under my desk and is not oh. wearing shoes, and it's 40 degrees outside. Yeah. Sure. Um. I should probably solve that problem here in a second. Um, okay. I have, I'm just going to, can I just read off some titles, uh, honorable mention wise that I think are absolutely worth reading? 
I don't want to be like annoying about this, but these are books that I really loved. Give them to us. That, that I want you guys to, to know about. Okay. First, Tim's never going to read my, these books. Yeah. Tim's never going to, well, Tim, he has read some of them actually. Um, okay. So, okay. I cannot, I cannot recommend this book. <laughs> I, I can absolutely not recommend that you, that you read Quentin Tarantino's new book of movie essays, cinema speculation. It's incredibly profane, but the way he reads movies, she can't, Lydia's like climbing on my chair, look, but, but I'm wearing headphones so she can't hear people. Uh, anyway. Okay. So he, the way he writes about movies is so interesting and eloquent that if you, if you can kind of skip over the parts, and the, 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 the language, it's really worth the, the, the effort of doing so. Uh, Ben McIntyre is a historian who writes true stories about spies. They read like novels and his new book, The Prisoners of the Castle is, is super good. And it's about, uh, a ver- prisoners in World War II escaping the Nazi prison camp at Kolditz Castle. And there's Belgians and there's French and there's, there's English and there's Americans and there's all these different guys that get thrown in there and they kind of have to work together. It's a real life great escape type scenario. Although I think the great escape is based on something real too. But so there's that, uh, speaking of spy, the best spy fiction I read this year so far was Dan Fassman's winter work about, a uh, Berlin right as right off the wall, the chaos in Berlin right off the wall has fallen. Great book. Great one to read during the winter. Um, Lydia Millet's novel dinosaurs was one of the novels. It's a very brief little book, like 150 pages. She wrote a book called uh, Children's Bible last year, which Karen Swallow Pryor loved. And this is her new book. And it's a it's a fascinating book about a guy who's like a millionaire and his, he has a relationship that ends. So he walks to Arizona. And when he gets to Arizona, he there's this bizarre kind of strange family that lives in the neighborhood and it's the falling out of that. But it, it is both mysterious and superhuman not superhuman like Spider-Man, but like super, super space human. human. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great book. Space human. Yeah. Um, Anthony Horowitz, uh, new book, Twist of a Knife is wonderful. It is a meta mystery novel where Horowitz, he writes the series where he himself is a character in it, much like John Watson. And there's a Sherlock Holmes type character who's, and they solve crimes together. And then he writes true crime books then become the novel that he's writing about. So he's writing a book within a book and he's a character in the book. But in this case, he writes a play, which he's always wanted to do. And the play gets put on and there's a terrible review that gets written. And the woman that writes the review of it winds up dead. And then he becomes suspect number one. And then the detective has to help him get off the hook. So that was a delightful read this year. And then the last one I'm going to mention here is I'm going to hold this up so you guys can see. It is The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. It's a new edition that came out this year. Um, and it is, it is a, a facsimile and transcript of the original drafts, including annotations of Ezra Pound. So huh. it's, they make it really big. So you can see here, it's oh, got that's his cool. notes and it's got scanned pages of his, like sometimes it's typed up, sometimes it's handwritten notes. That's that really and cool. it's got, on my Christmas like, list. Yeah. So that yeah. it almost made my list, but because it didn't come out this year and it's just, you know, it's, it's coffee table size almost, but it, this is a, absolutely amazing. If you love the creative process, T.S. Eliot, The Wasteland, Ezra Pound, like any of these things interest you, but particularly the editorial and creative process, it's absolutely worth digging into. I am going to mention two books that are not from 2022 that if, 
if I'm not counting books from 2022, they would be my number two and three books of the year. And they are David Graham's Killers of the Flower Moon and Elizabeth Taylor's Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont, which is a book that I shouted out when we were talking about. I, I love Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont so, so much. And I basically tell everybody that comes into the bookstop that they have to read it. And then Killers of the Flower Moon is about takes place around the 20s. It's about to be a Martin Scorsese movie, actually. And it's about the Native American people that live in Oklahoma. And basically, a oil well is found beneath their land. And so because of that, they become the richest people per capita in America. But the laws at the time don't allow the Native American people to control their own money, basically. And so these white people begin to manipulate the the system and then the native American people start dying. And basically the FBI gets involved and it became the case that made the FBI that established the FBI. And it's, it's basically a true crime book, but it reads like a mystery. It's, it's a history, you know, is, it and it's, it's an absolutely great, it's a really great cool book. book. I read that this year on your suggestion. And it's really, I had no idea. I was floored. It's dark and exciting and great writing, great reporting. Tim, have you, you've read this, right? I started it and I had to pause on it because I got obsessed with other things, but my brother went crazy for it. He loves that book. Really good. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'll finish it at some point. Yeah. It's a good one. If you, if you're looking, if, if you or someone in your life likes the kind of true crime, but not the sordid true crime, you know, you know, like true crime that's rooted in history and reporting and all that, it's a really good book. And all of David Graham's books are really good. So, okay. That's my list of honorable mentions that I wanted to, to throw out there. Okay. Let's, let's do our lists. Let's do our top fives. I'm going to have Sean go first just because, you know, he, you're our, you got to do your number right five first. Yeah. We're doing five down to order. one. So we'll do Sean and then we'll do Tim and then we'll do Heidi and then I'll go. How about that? So Sean, what is your number five of 2022? My number five of 2022, just so we're clear. And I don't have to throw my list away right now. But re- these can be rereads too, right? Are those not first time reads? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Any, okay. You use your you, own criteria. You get to use, yeah, you get to choose yeah. how you made your list. Whew. All right. Well, uh, I was just going to listen to someone else's list and then copy it. But since I have to go first, uh, it's not, not going to work. Weird. We have the exact same list. Uh, it's Mein Kampf. It's Five Books <laughs> by Stalin. Uh, Ayn Rand. Uh, good thing I went after <laughs> all those Ayn Rand books. Uh, he could take the, take the flack. Right. My, my number five was <clears throat> The Post Office Girl by Steven Zweig. Uh, which oh my is gosh. A, it's almost, it's almost more of a novella. It's a really short novel. And it's a little, it's only five because I love it, but it's uneven. The, uh, the end kind of peters out and the first half is far more transporting and, uh, and I think imaginative, but uh, it's about this, Poor woman, uh, who lives in post war Poland and, uh, she and yeah, her Zweig mother. Zweig is a Austrian writer from like that, from the World War II era. That's right. Yeah. Um, or maybe they are Austrian, but, uh, she and her mother are living on this single, uh, paltry government salary and she has this job in the village post office, uh, doing almost nothing and, uh, half starving and living in a cold rented attic room. And, but she has an aunt who is, who has married a wealthy American. And this aunt remembers her after years and years of being gone 
uh, and takes this young woman to spend a week with them at a Swiss resort uh, and buys <clears throat> buys her a new wardrobe and really just allows her on her aunt and uncle's dime to live this life of luxury in this old luxurious European hotel. And uh, the, <laughs> the, the scenes in the hotel are incredible. And uh, uh, Wes Anderson uh, names this book as one of his, influences uh when he made the Grand Zweig's Budapest incredible. Hotel. Yeah. It's like it's great. And, and but then the, the yeah, and then dark. But then the second half of the novel is her coping with uh her return to her normal life after this magical mm. week is over. And that's where it gets really <laughs> dark and uh and tragic. So that's the post office girl by Stephanie. That's Zweig. the post office girl. <laughs> he also has a great, a great book called or novella called Chess Story, which is even more bleak. Yeah. Um, okay. That Tim, what is your number five? My number five is Bill Bryson's short biography of Shakespeare, The World nice. as Stage. Bill Bryson, author of A Short History of Nearly Everything and A Walk in the Woods, is a great writer. And he's also a really, he just turns up really fascinating historical nuggets that just make his books fly by. I'm going to read one paragraph from one. Do it. Page 55. People of all classes during Shakespeare's age loved their food sweet. Many dishes were coated with sticky sweet glazes and even wine was sometimes given a generous charge of sugar as were fish, eggs, and meats of every time. Such was the popularity of sugar that people's teeth often turned black and those who failed to attain the condition naturally sometimes blackened their teeth artificially <laughs> to show that they had their share of sugar. Rich women, including the queen made themselves additionally beauteous by bleaching their skin with pomp compounds of borax, sulfide and lead all at least mildly toxic. Last part. It's just cause it's just so fun. The whole book is like this. Beer was drunk copiously, even at breakfast and even by the pleasure weary Puritans, the ship that took the Puritan leader, John Winthrop to John Winthrop to new England, carried him 10,000 gallons of beer and not much else. <laughs> so funny. So Bill Bryson's Shakespeare biography. Mm, that's great. Bryson's really fun. He is really fun. All right, so so far we've got The Post Office Girl by Stefan Zweig and Shakespeare, The World as Stage by Bill Bryson. Heidi, what's your number five? Well, I don't know if my selection is going to take the mood up or down, but mine is a collection of writings from St. Porphyrios uh, called <laughs> Wounded by Love. Um, hmm. And I, it's... Uh, saint porphyrius was a a simple man uh 19th or 20th century saint and uh he was not well educated in anything other than the scriptures and the writings of the church fathers that he read while in um his lifetime in a monastery um he ran away from home to join a monastery when he was i think 11 um and so he 
he has this simplicity and directness of speech. He's not eloquent, but like this very deep and profound understanding of the Christian life. And I, I loved, I loved the book, Wounded by Love by St. Porphyrius. And my favorite thing about it was the emphasis that he puts on divine eros, like the longing for God and mm. the desire for God as being a hallmark of the true spiritual life. And that was really formative and like very deeply impacted my prayer life. Like instead of just praying to be good, I've been praying more to be happy, right? To long for God. Like, and it kind of wove into the reading C.S. Lewis with his emphasis on joy and all that. So like I said, after those two, I don't know whether my selection being spiritual writing takes the conversation up or like brings it way down. So imagine um, how I'm going to feel next when I just, you know, that is my number five. I didn't do that on purpose. I loved it. Wounded by Love. Have either of you guys read Wounded by Love or St. Porphyrius? No. No. Have either of you, Tim or Heidi, read, have you read Post Office Girl or the Bill Bryson book? No. Anybody else? I'm just curious. Just, it's interesting to know, see how different everybody's are. Oh, actually, I have read the Bill Bryson Shakespeare biography and I love Bill Bryson. He's, yeah, he's fun. Yeah, he's great and insightful. Okay. I, uh, massively cheated on number, on my, my fifth one here because I just put two books there as a tie because I couldn't decide which one I liked better. So, um, you can, Tyranny. Can, the tyranny of the host. We can't, we can't I mean, stop him, if, you guys. If, if Tim right. did that, what am I going to do? Like, cut the podcast off? It's like when someone teaches you a new game, but they introduce a rule when they're taking advantage of it. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Just had this experience with my children this week playing a new game, and like, every turn there was something that I did not know about. Okay, so... Good. These are two new novels that I... I've thought about a lot since I read them. One of which has been mentioned and that is Aaron Diaz is trust, which is a novel like in four different parts about a fictional character, but from different perspectives and is kind of loosely based on a Rockefeller type character. Part one, for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this is what is meant to be a fictional uh, account of his life. You know, as if it was a popular novel of the time, the second part is his unfinished memoirs, which are meant to correct that that novelization of his life. The third part are the memoirs of the young woman who was his secretary and helped ghostwrite the book. And then the fourth part are the late-in-life diaries of this man's wife, and uh, which kind of recount her influence on him and offer a bit of a surprise at the end. Uh, I'm not as the end doesn't hold up for me as much on rethinking about it as it did when I first read it. Um, but this is a book that got nominated on a lot of like year end lists, the New York times and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's pretty great. Heidi is just out of curiosity. Are we going to see this later on your list? No, it's not, but it, it deserves an honorable mention. I just figured it would be on your list. And so our listeners would get to hear about it. Yeah. Um, John, did you read this? I have not, but, uh, okay. I, it's, it's worth reading. It's on my, it's on my TBR stack. The next one that is tied for fifth for me is, uh, just, I just have wanted to mention Jonathan Coe's Mr. Wilder and me, which is maybe the, the novel that I have, this, this, the novel that the second, the novel that I've thought about the second most this year. Hmm. It's about a young woman who is a, a Athenian. It's the 1970s. She's maybe like 20. She gets, hired to work as the assistant to Billy Wilder's writing partner 
on the last movie that they worked on together in, oh, in France. It's got great passage on cheese. Heidi, one of the best food pass chapters I've ever read. Um, and she, it's the kind of like, I'm interested. She at the beginning <laughs> of her creative life, but she's writing the book through a memory novel. So she's remembering it. She's, and she's reflecting on how she didn't understand old Billy Wilder at the time, but now that she's older and trying to help her daughters start their lives. So it's got a lot of layers to it. It's a very subtle novel. Like it's, it feels like it's more of a sweet coming of age book, but it's mm-hmm. got a lot more, uh, to, to say for it in retrospect, like when you're thinking about it later. So I, I really like that. It's like 190 pages, 220 pages, something like that. Um, Jonathan Coe is a, is a really, really good, uh, delightful reader. So if you like books on the creative process, it's worth reading. So those are trust and Mr. Wilder and me. I apologize for cheating, but you know, not that, not that gonna, sorry yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That brings us back to Sean. What's your number four? My number four is only number four. This is going to sound like cheating too. So I don't feel so bad. Man, uh, we're just telling people about books we like. Yep. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to be that precious about it. Uh, it's only my number four because I haven't finished it. <laughs> I'm going to do that in a second. Too. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's the book is the ethics of beauty by Timothy Petitsis. Okay. Put a pin in that one. Well, put a pin in it. We're going to come back to it. it. Stay yep. tuned. <laughs> We're going to, we'll come back to that. Great. Okay. Okay. Let's, so you'll get a chance to, to talk about it at length. Tim, what's your number four? My number four is one of the two books that might get me kicked off the show. The yeah, other one this is, is, so exciting. Number, is number one. So Whoa. the other book that might get me kicked Can't, off I cannot is wait number for this. one. So number four might get me kicked off because of the author. Yeah. I think everyone is going to roll their eyes at me, but I'm going to stand up for this book. The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. James Jack. Patterson of like... Jack has that book. It is of John great. Lennon. What? Is it John? Did you say John Lennon or Jack Lemon? John Lennon. <laughs> John Lennon. You're still on Billy Wilder. Yeah. It is so good. It tells the story. It's kind of like these this... I've never read a biography of the Beatles, so it gets up into like the Beatles history, which... I love, it's really fascinating. I'm more interested in the Beatles than I am John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it kind of follows his career arc after the Beatles while at the same time tracking Mark David Chapman's no. life. Yes. And so they're kind of traveling on parallel tracks and you know that they're going to meet on a street corner in New York. And what was it? 1980? As soon as he um, meets Catcher in the Rye, you know, it's right, over. Oh, right. Man. Yeah, he was inspired apparently by Catcher in the Rye. That's the only thing he read in his defense, which, dear listeners, if you've not listened to our podcast on J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, last year, right? 2021? Uh, Two years ago? Two years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Anyway, so that was my number four, uh, The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. You know, did not did not see that coming. I know. I didn't either. I, I just but had to be, that, I just had to speak my one. truth, you guys. Yeah, yeah, I had to true. speak my truth. Truly. Like I, yeah, I am agreed. It, it, number one is less concerning now. <laughs> yeah. No, I am surprised. You should still I'm... be worried about okay. number one. Okay. <laughs> it's more about the content. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Concerned. A little concerned. Excited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, what's your number? Uh, my number four is Jonathan Shea's Achilles in Vietnam. Which I read last January. I try to read a couple books a year on psychology. Uh, and this is a book that is the intersection of trauma therapy, uh, classics, 
and uh, counseling. It's a great book. Uh, and by Jonathan Shea, he's a trauma therapist. He worked with Vietnam vet- combat veterans. And the book is about why uh, the war in Vietnam was the most traumatic American war to date when the previous war, World War II, did not leave so many veterans traumatized. And he asked the question, why? Uh, what was it about combat in Vietnam that was so traumatizing to the returning veterans? Uh, and, and his discoveries are remarkable and became, uh, the basis for much trauma therapy that is, uh, uh, understood and practiced today. So it's a seminal book on, on PTSD and combat trauma, uh, as well as being just a beautiful reflection on the Iliad. Uh, and the power of literature in meaning-making stories for human flourishing and healing. So highly recommend. Uh, it undergirds uh, a lot of literary studies uh, and definitely psychotherapy in the realm of trauma. Great book. Heidi, what is the genre of the book? Uh, it really is. I, it's an intersection of multiple genres. Yeah. Um, but it would be more for therapists and people interested in trauma. Um, But anybody who's interested in the classics or who've read the Iliad and really wants to know that um, wants to know more about the Iliad uh, would benefit from it as well. It transformed my interpretation of the Iliad, but for sure, um, and kind of confirmed some things. I've been thinking some ways that my thinking has digressed with other mm. classicists and classical education related to the Iliad, which is why I read it in the first place. Um, and mm. so I, I, it's just very thought provoking. Um, and very, it's just like very human. It's not scholarly. It's written for people to understand combat trauma. Great. Man, that sounds. Great. Does yeah, it talk about the Simone Vi essay at he all in that book? It. Yep. Yeah. I mean, any serious scholar on the Iliad now will mention. Got to deal with her. Yeah. Has to yeah. has to reckon with Simone Vi. And the poem that, of force is that what the yes. essay is called? The poem That's of right. force. Yes. Yeah. So, um, have which you is read another his, great. Have you read Go Shay's ahead. other book? Uh, Odysseus, Odysseus in America. In America? Yes, yeah. I read it right okay. away afterwards, okay. and it's very good too. Okay. Yeah, I think Man, that lot, I imagine a lot of our listeners mm-hmm. would probably be really into that. Just yeah, um, pick up like, both of them, and that's uh, great for teaching. And man, it will just make you think differently about war and mm. about humanity and about ancient literature. Okay, so Heidi's two are wounded by love at five, Achilles in Vietnam at four. Sean had Post Office Girl by Stefan Zweig and The Ethics of Beauty by Timothy Patitsis, and then. Tim has Shakespeare, The World as Stage by Bill Bryson, and The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. Now, I love that Tim was just like, I don't know if I should say it because the author, James, just like, you like, <laughs> Wait, sure about I that. wasn't shy about it at all. I just thought like, it might no, get the, me no, kicked the way, off the show. The way you said it, because of the author is what might get you kicked <laughs> off the show. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, my number four is two books. <laughs> no. Then, no, this is the last David. Stop it. Just listen. David. Okay. That's enough. Okay, it's it's... In pr- okay, so I, the reason I'm saying both of them, it's really, they're both the same thing. And oh, that makes it different. Okay, so it's in is praise. It, are they are they by the same author? It's called "In Praise of Good Bookstores" by Jeff Deutsch, who is himself a bookstore owner. And then I just want to throw in the other one because it's like a hundred pages long. It's barely, you know, it's like a long. It's like a couple of essays. It's called "On Browsing" by Jason Guriel. These books, I think, are about are like almost scholarly, but very readable defenses 
of why I do what I do. Mm. They both came out this year. Um, I think their defense is for actual artifacts for like why culture is defined by the thing, the artifacts that it values. And, uh, I think is a great defense also, not just for the bookstore, but why this podcast exists. Um, it's not just about books, but like that and how books can change your life, but about why books matter for culture and why curating and being judicious and having conversations about books really, really matters. So the first book, the uh, really my number four is in praise of good book, good bookstores, which kind of answers the question, do we need bookstores in the 21st century? And if so, what makes a good one? And so that, but then Jason Guriel's books on book on browsing on, which indicates a defense of browsing is just super fun and, and really insightful and, and worth your time as well. So we'll say that my number four is in praise of good bookstores because you guys are getting all up in arms about it. But, um, <laughs> read Jason Guriel's. We'll call that an honorable mention as well, which I actually just finished. Okay. So that's, we're each, we're down to our third book now. So Sean, what is your number three? My number three, uh, also a, a reread of a beloved book, uh, is Viper's Tangle. By Francois Mariac. Mm. Oh. Uh, who's, he's kind of the French Graham Greene, which is only a compliment. Say no more. Didn't he write yeah. The Keys to the Kingdom? Isn't that, was that one of his books? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, have you read that one, Sean? Uh, that was one I have not read. Okay. I've read a handful of his novels, but not that one. Viper's Tangle? Yeah, Viper's Tangle. Or, uh, sometimes it's translated as The Tangle of Vipers. And it's good. Uh, it's really good. Huh. Yeah. It's, huh. uh, it's about this man who, uh, is, has sort of lived at odds with his family for many years. Uh, he thinks his wife and children, his wife and children are religious and he is not, but he finds them to be very hypocritical and, uh, he sort of congratulates himself for being more authentic and consistent than them. He's also quite wealthy and is trying to devise ways to keep any member of his family from inheriting any of the money he has earned over the course of his life. And he feels them all sniffing around waiting for him to die so that they can get their hands on his money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a great novel. There is, there is, uh, uh, sort of upward, uh, turn, uh, but an ambiguous outcome at the end. Graham Green like. That's very Graham Green like. That's that's been on my list for a couple of years. No, I might have to just just do it. Yeah. Tim, what's your number three? The Wright Brothers by David McCullough. Short, simple Good book. History, yep, of the Wright Brothers, a kind of a testament to industriousness and determination, like Midwestern values. In the state of North Carolina. Well, they were from Ohio. They did yeah, all the experiments barely. in North Carolina. Um, they were, it is a great book. Such a great book. Yeah. I just love every time I read David McCullough, I'm like, man, this guy, he's and so he good. just so, passed away. Yeah. He did like so, three months ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. His, I think I, um, him. nominated Truman, his big biography of yeah. Truman either last year or the year before, which is magisterial. <laughs> so that's that's number three for me the Wright Brothers by David McCullough everyone should go online and look up right, uh, David McCullough's writing shed where he still wrote with a typewriter till the day that he died I read that book at the Outer Banks because that's oh, where wow. they were doing the yeah. 
That's cool. I felt like appropriate. All right, Heidi, what is your number three? My number three is my name is Asher Lev. Yes. That was Bring it, Heidi. Just a transcendent reading experience. I loved everything about it. And uh I am like haunted by it. Like last night in the middle of the night, I was thinking about how I was going to get my chickens to survive the cold snap because it's supposed to be like <laughs> minus 10 tonight. And yeah, America was, is in trouble. Yeah, cold yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was thinking about um some like planning Christmas cookie decorating that we're doing tonight. And I was thinking about my name is Asher Lev. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's it. just such a wonder, just such an amazing book and such a surprise. I love books like that, that are just, you're not, you don't know what to expect. And then it just like overcomes you and takes, you know, takes you under. I love that. Hmm. If, if I was, if I didn't keep to a, a no books we did on the show for my list, then I would, that would have been in my top five for yeah. sure. It was one of those, the, the most consequential reads, I think for me this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, have you read it? You read it, right? I have, yeah. Uh, I read it for the second time this year. Did you listen to the episodes? I have not finished listening through. I'm, I'm outed now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no. really good. It's really been good. a crazy month, but I Fair am enough. working on it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't quite caught up. <laughs> yeah, because I, I read it, I reread it for a local book club, and then... Yeah, was have been eager to hear how your discussions went. Because uh, when I when I put it down after having read it many many years ago, uh, and then rereading it, I immediately picked up the sequel. Mm. Like I was also gripped in the same way. I just had to keep going. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great book. Okay, my number three is by Kim Haynes Eitzen. It's called Sonorous Desert. What deep listening taught early Christian monks and what it can teach us. Ooh. I read that this year too. Did you like it? I did. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, it's another book that's like under 200 pages, very thoughtful. It's, it's part nature writing, part spiritual writing. So you think, you know, yeah. it's got, it's, it always a debt to like Edward Abbey and, you know, I don't know, other people who, Rachel Carson and, you know, the great, John Muir, the great, the great nature writers, but it, it digs into a lot of the historical records and the, the narratives and biographies of the desert monks and the spiritual fathers. And, and it goes, she, she went to these deserts and there's little QR codes where you can listen to the stuff that she recorded so that you can yeah. kind of, you know, it's like studying. It, it's a fascinating book. And I, yeah, she I really puts, liked it. She, she does site recordings in these different locations. And then at the end of each chapter where she has discussed her time in a particular place, there's a, a QR code where you can go listen to those particular recordings, mm. uh, which is, could be gimmicky, but actually works pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't have to, it's just like at the right. end of the book and you can scan it. And if you don't want to do that, yeah. you don't have to say um, the title and the author again. So it's called sonorous desert. What deep listening taught early Christian monks and what it can teach us. By Kim, and then her name is hyphenated, Haynes Eitzen. H-A-I-N-E-S hyphen E-I-T-Z-E-N. And I think you Sounds guys, good. I think it would be a book that you all would like. So Sean, you liked it, but not enough to put on your list, huh? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did like it. Uh, I just like these other books more. <laughs> it's, in some ways it's not, it's not, it could you almost use a tad more scholarship and a tad more expansion, but I kind of yeah. like it for not going too deep. Like I like it as an overview. That's an introduction. I mean, it's more than an introduction to the desert fathers. It gets more into it than that. But a lot right. of it is very like, Spirit, there's a there's a nature memoir aspect to it, so it's dabbling in a couple different genres. And I thought her prose was really really lovely at times, like like some of yeah, the best agreed. prose I read this year. Agreed. Yeah, and it didn't get bogged down by being overly technical or overly academic. Although right. it was certainly, uh, I mean, she has an ethos that came through really clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Sean, what's your number two? My number two was The Great Passion by James Runcie. Okay, but you're going to have to hold off again. I knew it. I knew it. This was this was the book that I thought might be yeah, on your list. You're gonna have to hold off. So we're gonna be talking about yeah. two of your books in in the future. So Tim, let's jump to let's jump to your number two. When you say we're gonna talk about them in the future, like during this episode. Yep. Yes, like in the near future. Like, like in the future. Because you're gonna turn guys, off the recording and I, then we're gonna talk. About I was it. fully expecting that to be on David's list. So. <laughs> yeah. So far, I think Sean has a book on Heidi's list and a book on my list so far. So. And they're higher up. So we'll save them for the higher part of the lists. Wait, do you know Heidi's list already? Or you just I just can't... know the one that you said already that's on Heidi's list. Uh, okay, Tim, what's your number two? It is a biography of Leo Tolstoy by Andre Zorin. Z-O-R-I-N. Maybe Zorin. Uh, it is a short little book. And like it's part of the Critical Lives series, a series of kind of like biographies that talk a lot about the author's in this, you know, the author's work and it doesn't sound terribly exciting, but it's one of those, I mean, it's such a thrifty book. It's probably 150, 170 pages. Um, and it does a great job of both talking about Tolstoy's biography, but also does some critical work on the concerns of his writing. It was just terrific, really lovely book. Biographies are plenty for you this year. Yeah, I really, have, yeah, I really like biographies. That's why you've been dabbling in them this year. I have one other biography that if we, if I could do it over, I would have done like honorable mention just because the story just around it. Do it, do it now. Okay. Just add is it now the time. Like, it's tied. It's tied time. with Tolstoy. You can cheat. <laughs> it's a tie. Galen and I went for our honeymoon to Scotland. Galen made arrangements for us to stay. In the Isle of Skye, in a um, an airstream, the Silver Airstream. So we were on oh, the side of awesome. a mountain. It was so wonderful. We're on the side of a mountain in an airstream, and it was beautiful. And the people who owned the airstream just lived two hundred feet away in their house. Okay, so um, you know, Galen had been communicating with them, making sure everything was above board. We move in after a week at the fringe. It's great, you know, and we're kind of settling down because the fringe was, it was pretty intense. It was a week of just constantly seeing shows and kind of yeah, living yeah. on the sidewalk. So we go in and we're just going to kind of take it easy for a day. And there's a, a stack of books that are in the airstream. And one hmm. of them is a biography of Robert Plant, who is the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I love it. So and I this was is perfect. Like, Just make it tied with the last days of John Lennon. Yeah, it's okay. It's perfect. Oh, it's tied oh, with the last days go. of John your, Lennon. Your, your rock star category there. My rock star biography <laughs> category. So um, 
it's by an author named Paul Rees. And I start zooming through this biography and I know Led Zeppelin's biography really well. So I'm just like racing through it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And Robert Plant is so interesting. And oh my gosh, Led Zeppelin was so crazy. And we get to the end and I, you know, I put it up. I was like, oh, that's a great read. And there's another biography by Paul Rees on the shelf, the biography of John Entwistle, the famous bassist from The Who. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. So in the middle of this, we have a turntable in the Airstream. And I'm like, man, Galen, wouldn't it be great to listen to Led Zeppelin on vinyl right now? Why don't you, <laughs> can I, can I just like email our hosts and ask them if they've got any Led Zeppelin on? Sure. So she brings up the email. And so no. I start typing this email to Paul Rees and I'm, I'm like, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, I'm emailing Paul Rees. I thought Paul Rees is the guy who wrote these two biographies. <laughs> Paul Rees is the guy who wrote these two biographies. He was huge in the music scene in London for 20 years. He was like Whoa. chief editor for Q How magazine. How is it taking you so long to tell us this story? I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it's because I, I could, um, so I, I email now your him. best friends with Paul Reese. No. Well, there is more of a story, but I, I, <laughs> there's more of a story that I will tell you guys off the air. Cause it's not like for, it's not, it's just not ready It'll for get you kicked it to be public. Um, we, so I emailed them. I was like, Paul, these are great biography. Thanks so much. You know, it's been a real pleasure. Do you have any Led Zeppelin on vinyl? And he's like, no, unfortunately I don't. You know, it's all scratched up because he loves Led Zeppelin also. Anyway, and we visited with him when Galen and I were kind of leaving to go back to London. We visited with he and his wife. He's totally charming. He's great. So that was my little sidebar biography of a musician Reese? story. R-H-E-E-S. And this might or might not interest you guys. He's coming out with a new biography. The new biography is um, of Elliot Smith. Oh, wow. I'll read that. Yeah. And he's a really fine writer. And um, so it should be really good. Oh, sweet. All right, Hattie, what's your no, uh, number two? My number two is a book we're reading on the podcast next year, which is Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nayeri. I'm crazy about this book. It has everything. It's like this love song to storytelling. It's about grief and family and risk. And it's beautifully written. It has the most fantastic descriptions of food and place. Uh, it's a fictionalized memoir of the author, which is a really great idea for a book. So it's just fantastic. I, I love everything about it. He's a strong, devout, Christian man and, and he's written a great novel and that's actually pretty rare. Mm. And I'm, I, I, I just, I, I think everybody should read this book. Graham and I interviewed him for Withy Wendell this year and it's still to this, it's still one of the most, my favorite interviews I've ever done with anybody. And he's a baker. Yeah. He was a, she was a <laughs> chocolatier. Yes. He's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Very skilled at many things and, and absolutely hilarious. Oh, good. Um, okay. So my number two would be my number one if I had, finish it um but it's really long and so i don't want to claim it as my number one but it's wendell berry's the need to be whole oh uh, wow patriotism in the history of prejudice have any of you read any of this yet no i have started it heidi have you i have not the best thing he ever has written no way it's wow. it's like the magnum opus nonfiction. like huh. i'm the I'm best like, thing he's ever written is that what I, you're saying right I now i think it might be the best thing he's ever written he hasn't finished it but he that's what he's saying right now. <laughs> i haven't finished it all 
It is. I, wow. there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure I even like, I don't know that I agree with it, but it's the arguments are so compelling. Um, it's, it's a historical deep dive into Kentucky after the civil war. It is, it is about racial issues in America. It's about class divide. It's about topics like forgiveness and work and sin and politics. And I mean, it's about, I think you can see if you've read his other stuff, you'll see things popping back up again, but in new ways. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's 500 pages. So it's, it's pretty long, but it reads so like it's, it's not a slow read, but it's a saver read nonetheless. Mm. Like you're not going to get bogged down by it. It reminds me of reading the best C.S. Lewis nonfiction where he is being so precise, but yet so readable. Mm. So you don't feel like you're moving slow, but you're savoring it. And, um, he, the stuff that he talks about in, uh, related to the civil war is so, so compelling and so interesting. And again, there's a lot of stuff in it that I'm not, I'm not sure I totally agree with him on, but he has a lot more experience thinking about it. So it's stuff that I'm going to be reading and thinking about over and over and over again. And is it, is it published in paperback yet? Yeah, it's only in paperback. Okay. So it came out from like his normal publisher didn't even publish it. I think it was maybe a little mildly controversial, but it's, it, but you know, it's like, yeah. He, I mean, it's, he has stuff in here that's about the stuff that he has in here about the history of Kentucky during and after the Civil War is absolutely fascinating and, mm. and, um, and heartbreaking. Mm. Um, and as always, he's talking about limits and he's talking about community and he's talking about the land, but he's going so much, he's going into like, when we don't care about those things, what does it do to us as people? And that those, mm. the dissolution of those things, the abandonment of those things are part of why we have this massive class divide and related to that massive class divide, divide is massive racial divide. Mm. Um, so you're going to disagree with things in here, but, um, he says things like, you cannot conserve the land unless you can conserve the people who depend on the land, who care for it and who know how to care for it. The people on whom the land depends, you know, it's that, that's the classic Barry stuff, but then he goes deeper than that. Mm. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely. Yeah. And again, you're not going to agree with everything in it, but that's kind of like <laughs> the greatness of it. So that's, so my number two is the need to be whole by Wendell Berry. All right, Sean, what's your number one? My number one is another reread that I, I love and revisit frequently for my own sake, but this year I'm teaching it yeah. and uh, it is, a Man for All Seasons oh, uh, my gosh. by Robert Bolt. Oh my gosh, Sean. I knew it's I so loved good. you. I knew yeah. I loved you. Yeah. You guys are like very similar readers. I don't think we are. Oh, that. Yeah. Well, let's wait till we hear what his number, tips, number one is. First. I know, right? Yeah. I don't yeah, you, be, uh, yeah. We may not want to put that on Sean. To, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but The Man for All Seasons is, uh, it's a, a 20th century play about Thomas More. Uh, as he comes into conflict with Henry VIII uh, over pressure to publicly uh, endorse uh, his divorce and remarriage. And uh, it's really just the story of a, a virtuous man who has a, has a distinct self and stands for something in a time when it's difficult and unpopular and rare for people to do so. It's so quotable too. Great oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the movie adaptation is also the movie won excellent. movie of the year in sixty two, sixty three. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the for a stage play, there is still so much subtle and effective poetic imagery and metaphor that is easy to pick up on a single viewing, and it's not. Uh, obtuse or obscure and you have to be reading it slowly with the text in front of you to pick up on the clever and subtle impactful poetic touches that he's working in i don't know how he does it but it's a he is a, a light but powerful touch Sean, bolt in the way he this is a wonderful list number number five is post office girl by stefan zweig yeah uh 20th century austrian writer pretty yeah. bleak fascinating writer <laughs> The Ethics of Beauty, which we're going to talk about in a second, I'm sure. Viper's Tangle by Moriak, French writer. Great Passion by James Runcie, an English writer, and A Man for yeah. All Seasons by Robert Bull. That's a that's a that's a good year in reading, right? There. I'm, that's yeah, good. It has been. All right, Tim. What is your number one? Um, here we oh, here we go. We're, I was we're I was moment. being a little bit rhetorical. Probably you could guess that by now by saying yeah, like right. it, well, we, we got we're adding a little anticipation to the to the episode. I'm leaving the option open. It's just a Shakespeare play or something. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Okay, let, let me just give a little bit of context. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. It's about it's about class and conflict. Um, yeah. When I last spoke at the Circe conference, I did like my twenty minute overview of western civilization and i was like hey it's always good to get a refresher like when were the greeks when were the romans how were they related what happened to the medieval you know all that sort of stuff and so as a kind of teaching tool i would bring people up with me at the front of the conference room where i was speaking and i would and i would say hey will someone volunteer to be the classical greeks yeah they come up will someone volunteer to be the classical romans right medievals will you come up yeah yeah and then I get to the Enlightenment, and I say, "Will somebody come up and volunteer to be in the Enlightenment?" And no one would volunteer. <laughs> no one would volunteer, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I had no idea that people like that, like opposed to the Enlightenment, or their perception of the Enlightenment." That I, that's my complaint. Is I think the perception of the Enlightenment is kind of erroneous in classical circles. That is my background for my number yeah. one book. The Scottish Enlightenment, <laughs> how the Scots, <laughs> the Scots invention of the modern world. It is so good. And I really challenge anybody who has like a really, um, skeptical view of the Enlightenment to read this book. I'll just give you one little opening salvo. The story opens with a 19 year old boy. Well, I'm a young man, um, walking through Scotland and he kind of idly says something heretical to his 13 year old friend. The 19 year old was a divinity student. The 13 year old was also in college at the time. He said something mildly heretical. Um, it was not like wildly heretical. Anyway, he was executed. He was executed six months later. Um, and that's kind of like the kickoff for the whole book. There's anyway, but it's really about Scotland, about this particular time. Edinburgh was called, um, the European Athens 
for like the late years of the 1700s, maybe in the early 1800s. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, yeah, someone's like selling some books, you know, this is not, it is the Scots were so tremendously influential for a hundred years. Just one little evidence of that. I think the author said that of the signers of the constitution, 75% were either Scottish or first generation removed Scottish. Like, and Adam Smith, Scott, like the father of capitalism, who was pretty skeptical of capitalism also, but he was Scottish. Anyway, the list goes on and on and on. Geology kind of goes through this massive transformation. It was a Scott who did it. Um, so anyway, that's my pitch. The name of the author is Arthur Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N. Highly recommend it. A lovely book. This sounds a little bit like propaganda, Tim McIntosh. What? Who just got back from two weeks in Scotland. <laughs> that's, that, it is what prompted me to read the book because I would see these. I started seeing all these statues of like these kind of like Scottish enlightenment figures. And I was like, man, there's, I know a lot of these cats like Hume and Adam Smith and the list went on and on. And so I asked around a little bit and I heard, yeah, this is the book to read. Um, the Scottish enlightenment. Anyway, there's my pitch. Am I still on the show? Are you being, are you suggesting that anybody who is at least skeptical of the enlightenment is, is wrong? If we're going to meet all together, I'm skeptical of time for the like, Inquisition. I am skeptical of. <laughs> and Tim was executed the, six months later. <laughs> of the um, enshrinement of procedural reason that came from the Enlightenment, but Al Gore is suspicious of that also. Like everybody is suspicious <laughs> of that. You know, I don't think that's any like. Even, I don't think it's like much of a notable stand. Yeah, the problem is that even people who are suspicious of it just accept it. I don't know that I accept it. Well, you I'm live, skeptical of it. And that I don't is a know different I, conversation for a different yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll have to define some terms of what I mean there. All yeah. right, Heidi, we are on to, okay, so that was the Scottish Enlightenment. Here, I'll do a round, I'll do a summary of yours. Shakespeare, The World as Stage by Bill Bryson. The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. The Wright Brothers by David McCullough. Leo Tolstoy by Andre Zornin. And The Scottish Enlightenment by Arthur Herman. You got it. All right, Heidi, you're number one. Was mentioned, My number I one is Ethics of Beauty by Dr. Timothy mm. Petitzas. I love this book. Yeah, Bethany loves this book too. Have yeah. you finished And we've book? been talking about it. I have not finished it. Well, no. it's like, oh, good. Okay. but right. it is still on my list. Because <laughs> I can long, tell isn't it? I'm going to yeah. love yeah. all of it to the right? last page. Yeah. Um, the book also references Achilles in Vietnam in chapter one. Oh, wow. Um, and oh, Sam, you'd love this book. That's oh, what I yeah. hear. That's what I hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting Ethics it on my list. You don't even is, have to finish it. <laughs> it's, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's yeah. fabulous. I, um, just the, the depth of thought, uh, and the, and the spiritual depth. It's all just really amazing. If you love anything, aesthetic and you want to understand aesthetics more. I mean, beauty is a very fluid concept. Um, people understand goodness and truth a lot more than we understand beauty. Uh, and Which is kind the of the book, point of them. Yeah. yeah. The book argues that any kind of meaningful formation and restoration of the soul comes through beauty first. 
Mm. Not through goodness and truth first, mm. but through yeah. beauty first. And that is the thesis. And it explores it in multiple contexts from art and trauma therapy and chastity and, uh, and liturgy. Uh, it's, it's a, it really is just a masterpiece of thought and a very, very necessary book for Christians right now. I believe everybody should read this book. My dad was talking to Bethany about it and, um, and he to- he said during that conversation that he thinks it's the most important book of the century so far, and it might be the most important book since the abolition of man. I think um, that it is. I think abolition of man is probably the last book that impacted my thought as much mm-hmm. as ethics of beauty. I mean, he, and he he was saying just like the the way that it talks about and offers solutions and definitions to the cultural issues we're living in now, while also tethering them to older things is you know it's it's rare Mm -hmm. and it's devotional to like it's changed the way i pray just as much as it's changed the way i think spiritual writing yeah um Mm -hmm. because it is it's it's a whole book it's a truly human book like and Mm -hmm. and so i i just can't say enough about it and i will talk about it to literally anybody who approaches (laughs) me about it like if if there's like a way that you're like you know what i'd like to get to know heidi white a little bit more and talk to her all you got to do is throughout ethics of beauty and we are we are golden. So Sean, there's, there's, a, this big, there's a big um close readers group, if I'm not mistaken, that are mm-hmm. doing that book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more power to y'all. That's right. Yeah. So Sean, this was your number three. So I want to give yeah. you a chance to make sure you didn't talk about it earlier. Well, so it was actually it was my number four, but really oh, and sorry. truly only because I felt guilty about putting a book I hadn't read on my list. Uh I would, you mean like all the way in mm-hmm. in spirit? Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would put it much higher, and I intend to finish it. I'm working on it, but it's a slow. It's, and rightfully, uh, I mean, you can't slow, rush through right? it. Yeah, you can't, can't rush, rush through, through it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the topics that it deals with range from yeah, uh, healing trauma, uh, marriage, architecture, uh, to the the uh, the experience and encounter uh, with the true Christ. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, yeah, it really is remarkable. And uh, I think Heidi uh, said it well. It's a very human book in the sense that it encompasses every every part of the human experience in a remarkable way. Uh, it is not a cheap book. Yeah. But not. you get what you pay for, and not just in the content. It's really well-printed. It's printed on really heavy, beautiful paper. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's big, some, uh, so it holds together. Yeah, which is not always yeah, true of right. big books. That's right. Yeah, that's. I think it's from Saint Nicholas Press. Uh, that's they, right. Yeah, yeah. I just form dictates I, function. I actually just got in a restock on that. Uh, yes. Yeah, it is satisfyingly beautiful. You know, you wouldn't want <laughs> you wouldn't want to get a book about beauty in the mail and it be. Yeah, garbage. Like a, okay, yeah, yeah, cheap paperback. Yeah. Um, okay, right, so then, well, Heidi, one. let's do. So Heidi, your list. We'll just go. Just do a quick summary. Mm-hmm. Is "Wounded by Love" by Saint Porphyrius, "Achilles in Vietnam" by Jonathan Shea, "My Name Is Asher Love" by Asher Lev, by Haim Potok, "Everything Sad Is Untrue" by Daniel Nyeri, and "Ethics of Beauty" by Timothy. How do you? What is the last name? How do you say that again? Patitsas. Patitsas. Yeah. I always get the T's and the S's mixed up when I'm <laughs> writing it without looking at it. Pasta sauce. <laughs> Timothy pasta sauce. Um, okay. So 
Sean mentioned my number one and Heidi, you sent me a text and said, is this it basically? Uh, my number one <laughs> is The Great Passion by James Runcie. It is a novel, um, which I, at the time that I read it, I thought this was good. I thought this was a really good book. I, in fact, I texted, I think the group and they are the, the, our group here. Yeah. I read it on your you recommendation. Gotta, yeah. You got to read so this. Um, <clears throat> yeah. and, uh, I thought, okay, this is good. I really like this, but I have thought about it so much since then. Mm-hmm. James Runcie is, he, he is more better known for being a writing mysteries. He wrote the, I think they're called the Grant Chester book, something like that. Um, is that, yeah. is that right, Sean? I think that is um, right. But so they're like detective, you're like the British detective, 1950s type, type stories. Um, and it was made into a TV show, I think. Here though, it's about a boy who is a skilled vocalist, the, the son of an organ maker, an organ repairman in Germany during box time. And his mother has died and he gets sent off to study at the school where Bach is a teacher during the time that Bach is writing the St. Matthew's Passion. And Bach has lost, um, well, he lost many children in, during his time. And so it's a book about grief and the creativity getting you through it and, but not belittling it. And it's not a long novel. It's like 250 pages, maybe 280, something like that. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just stuck with me. It's been in my head. It's, you know, what this kid goes through and the solutions that this music offers. I'm not musical. I don't really understand a lot about music. Um, trying to though more because of my kids who are, who are quite musical and, and pretty good at it. And the, this book is like steeped in music, even, even some fairly technical stuff that went way over my head, but was fascinating nonetheless. Sean, yeah. you had this at your number two. What, what, what's, what was it for you? Uh, <clears throat> all of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really, I think Bach is a fascinating figure anyway. Mm-hmm. I've loved other, uh, other books that I've read on Bach, uh, nonfiction and fiction. One of my, one of my favorite, uh, books, period probably is, uh, Evening in the Palace of Reason, uh, which is historical nonfiction, but reads very much like a, uh, sort of reads like a novel nonetheless. Uh, so I think Bach is fascinating and brilliant and, uh, and an interesting character. And this novel, uh, takes that fascinating and brilliant and interesting character, uh, and pulls a a story from his life to explore those themes of loss and grief and dealing with those through art and what, what the artist what service the artist performs for his fellow man uh, as well as himself. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. It's, it's not a book that I would say is for everyone. I don't know. It, it reminds me more of like a Marilyn Robinson or I don't know. Yeah. Who, you know, it, I, I've, I found that too in thinking about recommending it to certain people and then having to stop and, and actually puzzle over whether this or that person would really enjoy it's not it. Exciting. Yeah, right. It's, it's a titillating novel. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like the St. Matthew's Passion. Uh, I mean, the, if, if that does it for you, this novel will do it for you. <laughs> and how do you read it? What did you think? I really, I loved it. I mean, it barely, it pro- I probably should have put it on my honorable mentions. I just figured it would be covered by David. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful novel. And I, I just, like, it's just so hard to grow up. 
I think I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> noticing this as my kids are teenagers too. Just, it's so hard to, I, to reckon and wrestle with the fallenness of the world and its mm-hmm. impact and like its permanent impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think this book does that without abandoning hope, right? It, mm-hmm. like it's honest about it. Um, and then offers some compelling meaning making solutions, but it's not trite at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has a lot. It's an interesting companion to read with my name is Asher Love. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. less about the, the people in the world rejecting his gift, but it's a very much about a, a child who is going through something difficult and has a gift that he doesn't know how to harness um and so it's, it's an interesting companion and it causes him just as much pain as it solves just yeah. like in asher lev in yeah. a different yeah. way and one of the things that is exciting in the book is that he knows that his voice is going to change yes and they're trying to, say to that. get this book this the saint matthew's passion finished and he's helping bach and like that's he's right. got this part yeah, of the this is a writing for him going away yeah yeah, yeah. Or, it's, or at least it's changing yeah it's changing right so i uh, yeah i love that book um it's it's not weird in the way that last year the netanyahu's which we're going to read next year. I love that book, but it's it's not weird in that way where yeah. some people are just like, what am I reading? <laughs> Can't wait for that. All right. Well, so my list was uh, tied at five was trust and Mrs. Mr. Wilder and me, which by the way, Heidi, you need to read as a mother. Okay. You have to All read right. it. Uh, four in praise of good bookstores, three sonorous desert Two: the need to be whole by Wendell Berry. And then one, the great passion. So, uh, Graham will design a graphic. He always designs one that shows like our choices. So we'll get that posted on social. And, um, I'm going to probably write up a little thing for Substack that kind of gets it a little deeper into my reading life this year. Um, and so with there, I'll also post the lists that, that, that you guys all gave here. So, well, we've been going for a while. So any final thoughts on, on reading this year? Anything? What's, what's one book? that was on somebody else's list that you're like, I have to get this. And this is not a competitive thing, but just like what's one that stood out the most to you that you think you like, I've got to add that to my to be read list. You can say a couple if you want, you can tie them for adding to your to be read list. Strong. What about you? Uh, I've had, I've had both trust and Mr. Wilder and me on my list for a little while. Uh, so well, I, we I feel similarly about those. Billy Wilder. So yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I, <clears throat> Believe it or not, I hope I get to stay on the show after saying this. Uh, Tim's, uh, Tim's Scottish propaganda does sound <laughs> compelling. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, and also I, I have, I have very much wanted to read Everything Sad is Untrue. Uh, but, but knowing that it will be, uh, one of the, the show books, books here. this yeah. coming year, I just put it off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Tim, anything that stands out to you that you'd like yeah, to add? Yeah, I have list? five books written down. Achilles in Vietnam, Sonorous Desert, The Need to Be Whole, The Ethics of Beauty, The Great Passion. Nice. Yeah, so I basically like steal my reading list from you guys. <laughs> well, that's the point of this I podcast, get, right? I will that's get right. to Lincoln and the Bardo, Heidi. Oh, man. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah. She'd probably tell you to read Ethics of Beauty first. For sure. That's yeah, right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Heidi, what about you? I hear it's kind of expensive. Mine are... <laughs> um, Christmas is coming. Mine are the need to be whole. Actually over now. For sure. <laughs> I mean, fair. it's. I would have read it, but I'm moving right. it up to like next week. 
if we're on, if David's saying it's the best thing Wendell Berry's ever written, like I right. have you to read stop that what you're doing. No, now. It, like I'm like, I, it's a little bit on brand for me to choose a Wendell Berry book. But even <laughs> then I was like conscious of that and trying to, trying to keep it off my list, trying to see if it belonged to not make my list. Cause I didn't want to be too obvious, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's like essential. You can also listen to it read by Nick Offerman. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew yeah. he was a fan. That's a- great. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mr. Wilder and me, apparently I have to read that. Um, yeah, you'll like that book. Yeah. Uh, I am, I'm intrigued by the post office girl too. Always interested in a, a new novel. Oh man, you should. There is this scene in the post office girl where she puts on a dress and sees herself in the mirror in this dress. It's one of the, greatest prose passages I've ever read. Wow. Yeah. I think for me, it's um, probably, I mean, I, Ethics of Beauty is like, I'm kind of like, I've started reading it, but I'll be reading that till I, yeah, till you'll I be like probably. dipping into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, I really want to read Viper's Tangle by Moriak because that's been on my list. And then uh, Tim's uh, Scottish Propaganda also sounds interesting <laughs> to me, just because I'm trying to be a good friend to the, to a Scotsman in my life. I am some Scotch. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I will say, Wounded by Love. love that it. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. These, uh, like, honestly, all these books, I, I will say, Tim, I'm a little skeptical of a book by James Patterson, but not so much that, like, you know, I would, I wouldn't check it out because you recommend it. I trust you. I, this is how I got it. I was visiting Galen before we got married. I was visiting her at her condo and they have like a bookshelf, free bookshelf outside of her, whatever condo apartment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would go and I would, you know, browse and nine times out of 10, I would just walk past and I was like, the last days of John Lennon. Why not? I'll get it. And I thought I would probably never read it, but one, yeah, cold evening, I picked it up and I started reading and I could not put it down. Could not put it down. All right. All right. I, I, uh, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you know what? This is, this is 2022 on close reads. That's a wrap on 2022 on this wow. podcast. I can't when we, believe it. When we come back, we'll be doing persuasion. Um, in 2023, there's babies coming into the world. Um, oh, yeah. To people April that are three, 2023, four, three, 2023. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Wow. That's a good one. Um, that's might be Shakespeare's birthday. Oh, what? That's enough. Is that really? Yeah. The 20, well, yeah. we always, we know his baptismal dates. Yeah. Yeah. So because, it's a date. And it's a I'm guess, yeah. always rooting for April 24th because that's my birthday and it might have been born on Shakespeare's birthday. And yeah, I would right. love for baby Carl to be born on <laughs> <laughs> uh, That is I, my new prayer. You that missed, all you I'm missed the update. For. Heidi, you missed oh. the update. Baby Dwayne. Baby Dwayne. Uh, okay. Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this right now. Here's how I'm going to sell that to Galen. Uh-huh. Hey yeah. baby, you know how important Shakespeare is to me. Mm-hmm. His birthday is, you know, April 23, 24. So what I'm going to ask is, can you hold it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> baby, if you love me, can you hold it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you love me, works. if you love yeah. me is definitely the thing you want to say. Right. That's how I want to lead in. Right? Nine plus months yeah. pregnant. Yep. Requests. Yeah. Yep. yeah. To pregnant women. To very right. pregnant women. If you yeah. love me. Pregnant, pregnant, children, pregnant, you're not just pregnant women. Start with. 
not just pregnant baby, women, but nine me. months pregnant. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, can yeah, you go yeah. 9.5, baby? If you love me, uh-huh. I'm asking for 9. Point, okay, 9.34 or 9. Point, yeah, whatever. 9.5. Well, <laughs> the point is, there's a lot good that's going to be happening in 2023. And yeah, right. uh, we're excited to be able to to be talking with you about books. We've got a lot of stuff planned uh, on Substack and on the show. We're going to be getting together in early February to to plan and scheme and come up with things. We've got events plan, you know, ideas for events. Some of them are actually planned. Um, and we are very grateful to all of you who are listening, who are supporting the show, who are telling friends, who are uh, reading and, and just doing all the stuff that, that you guys do. We are honored to be a part of this community and um, everybody else is muted. So at this point I'm speaking for them, but it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a thrill to be able to do this each week and that this has been going on for so long. I think we're going on like nine years or eight years or something. And um, it's just getting better and better. I feel like, and hopefully we are getting better and better at doing this. And um, just, we uh, should figure out what our 10 year anniversary would be like the day that the yeah, first podcast dropped. That would be fun I, to figure out. I think out. it's early June, 2014 it was summer. Uh, really? Yeah. Really? So what we can go I back and look. To Someone the first will know. Podcast. I yeah. wasn't on it, but yeah, yeah. I listened to it. Well, while we I was are taking a run. <laughs> Been running ever since. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's you know, this is just a good time of year to say thank you and how how glad we are to be a part of it. And Sean, it's been great having you mm-hmm. as a as a team member, and we're excited. Oh to man, have it's you been a dream come true. So, all right, you guys want to add anything? I'm just, I'm really great. I'm not going to say anything new. I'm so grateful for this community. That is not a bland truism. It is absolute fact. Like my wife has fallen in love with this community and she's been like grafted in, welcomed in, embraced by this. So, and if you're new to this, like listening to this thing, just stick around for a little while. If you like the book discussions, you'll love the people that you meet who are associated with the book discussions, Mm -hmm. probably even more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, you're listening to this on uh, December 26th or later, but we're recording it beforehand. So I'll just say Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, we cannot wait for uh, another great year of Close Reads. So for Sean Johnson, for Heidi White, and for Tim McIntosh and his Scottish propaganda, I'm David Kern. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, until <laughs> next year, happy reading. Happy reading.